Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beth. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everybody. It's Christy and Beck from The Sleep Teacher. Hello, Beck. Hello, Christy. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just That's good. Plowing along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We're recording early this morning and it was mm. like the time difference. So it's not so early for Christy, but I was like getting out the door with the three kids. Two dropped off, one dropped off at another place, switching oh, over yeah. later. <laughs> you have to be just so organised on their mornings, don't you? Like everything um, laid out the night before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My father, who usually has the little boys, had something come up. So I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> got this whole day planned. I know, oh, I know. Thank God very- for the village, right? Oh, what will we do without them? I know. <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah, I'm the same, just being one of those mornings where I was like, yeah, get them all out. But then you just feel, I feel like you then accomplish so much in the day because you've just got in, got it done early. So yes, there's that. Yeah. There's that, yes. <laughs> and you're exhausted and you need another coffee by like 10 a.m. I but feel anyway. like at nap time, I'll be finishing binging Selling Sunset. Are you watching that? No. Oh, mate. No, yeah, not really. I can't even get, I can't deal. No, Selling not Sunset? Really, no. So good. I have watched it, but so I'm not cringe, But that. it's great. Mm, I sit there okay. and I just think, you guys have so much money, like all the yeah. money in the world. Why are you arguing about this stuff? Like, I always say that to Mitch. I'm like, what sort of job would someone with a house like that have? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to do a bit of a Q&A because your questions have been coming through hard and fast and banking up. So these ones have been sent through just as messages or emails into our online portal. So I will read them out and then Beck and I will go through and answer them and give our opinions on them. And yeah, hopefully there's one in there that really resonates with you. It's and- home. But yeah, we've got a bit of a variance. We've got like from four month regression questions all the way sort of up to transitioning to our own room from bassinet to cot and everything in between. So yeah, let's dive in. (laughs) So this question actually came through and it was, why would my seven month old baby wake hourly overnight? So seven month olds, generally speaking, we would expect that they're either sleeping through, we would see, or maybe one to two feeds, depending on if your little one can self-settle and whatnot. But hourly Hourly is excessive. It is very excessive. Mm -hmm. And even for like a newborn, hourly is excessive. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely something contributing there. I would say like 100% look at your awake windows as well. Make sure that they're age appropriate and they're not sort of over or under tired. What is it that they're waking for every hour? Like identify that. Hourly is, that's a lot. So it's kind of like they're almost falling asleep doing something and you're trying to transfer them and then they're waking when they hit the 
Are they like potentially falling asleep, say, in your arm, like whether you've rocked them or you've fed them and they're falling asleep and then you're going and transferring them and then sort of just getting towards that end of the sleep cycle and waking them? Because, yeah, hourly, overnight sleep cycles are a lot longer than they are of a day. So even hourly, they're not connecting, they're not consolidating a sleep cycle at all. So they're not really getting that deep restorative phase of sleep. The good thing about hourly when you're looking good. Well, when you look at it, what's good about it? No, when you're looking at working on it, is that you wouldn't have to do too much to no. better that. <laughs> There's only up from there, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Recently, you did the consult back, but we had a follow up support client. I remember saying to you prior to the consult, like, I've spoken to this client and they're not so keen on sleep training as such, but they're currently dealing with similar to this hourly wakes. And mm. I have reassured them that even without officially sort of sleep training as such and removing all the night feeds, we can definitely get at least two better stretches of of night sleep in as opposed to these hourly wakes. So, Mm. you know, whether or not you're wanting to work on settling, it's completely possible to, without even the settling, get better stretches of sleep than that. There's something contributing. Um, 100%. yeah. 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 And if it is something like the dummy, like at this age, they just don't have that ability to find and replace it themselves. So more than likely they're relying on you to come back every every hour in this instance and pop it back in for them to sort of go back to sleep. So Yeah. And then I guess if it was something else underlying, sort of looking at sleep first is a really good way to, okay, we've done all that and we're still seeing excessive wake-ups. That's when you could then be like, okay, is there something like gut issue, ENT issue, you know, something else that's at play and that's when you could then further investigate that. Yeah, 100%. Just identify what it is that they're waking up for every hour first because that might give you an indication. Uh, The next one, when transitioning your baby to their own room from a cot and unswaddling and ditching the dummy, is that something that should be done all at once or should it be done gradually one at a time? (laughs) Full mix back here. You're really (laughs) ripping off the Band-Aid. Depends on... Yeah, how old the baby is. I tend to say if you're transitioning into the cot and ditching the dummy, I would keep them swaddled while you do that, depending age. So if they're sort of under that five-month mark. But if they're obviously rolling, you've got to get rid of the swaddle anyway. But, yeah, I, I feel like it can be easier for them to remove the dummy the cot transition isn't so much of a yeah. big deal. I was just going to say the cot transition is actually pretty seamless. Personally, I find babies actually end up sleeping much better in the cot. It's a more firm space, like they've got a little bit more room to move them around. Most bassinets as well have a little bit of movement to them, you know, as they get heavier. That Especially the snoo. Can- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot of movement. <laughs> yeah, that it does. So, yeah, like I think even if you wanted to just quickly get them into their cot and just spend a couple of days just reassuring yourself that that's okay, that's just ticking one thing off and you can just then deal with the dummy and the unswaddling later. But honestly, the, yeah, the cot, like Beck said, is not a huge mm. deal. It's probably more of a deal for the parents, especially oh, if you're transitioning them out of your room, that sort of anxiety. But Again, I think we've said this before, like monitors these days are like having them in your room anyway. So yes, yeah. great. But yeah, I I do think you can do it all at once. There's not a big issue. I mean, getting rid of the dummy, unswaddling, there's going to be some crying. It's just them 
getting familiar, you just obviously reassure and guide them through that. So yeah, if you kind of want to bang it all out, I'm a bit like that. I'm just like, let's get it done. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But if you wanted to steady it on and depends on the temperament of the baby as well. Like if you feel like they'll appreciate a little bit slower. Mm. Yeah. There's no sort of right or wrong. And I think the thing is with ditching the dummy, you essentially have to replace the dummy with some sort of settling method anyway. So you're going to be sort of reassuring and assisting your little ones. So I would recommend doing the settling once your little one's unswaddled as well though. So if you're going to do it all at once, I would go caught first, then look at ditching the dummy once they're unswaddled. Okay. Because yeah. only because they first they find their hands and they become quite reassured with that. Mm-mm-mm. You're not agreeing with me. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I, like I said, I don't. I think sometimes it can be. I just think it can be easier to get rid of the dummy whilst they're still hands down, because they're oh under under that sort of four to five months. I would say yeah, but o- yeah. over that, like they're going to have to be unscrewed. Oh yeah, well yeah, that's when they kind of start that rolling. So for a younger bub who's can still be swaddled under that sort of five months. Yeah, if they've still got that startle reflex, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. So uh, good times. Personally, I would like Bex said, if they're a little bit older, you'd probably just rip the band-aid and do it all at once. But under that sort of four or five months, you might just look at doing a couple of things gradually. I think just quickly, you'll find if you do still have a six-month-old swaddled, they potentially are going to roll straight away when you take that swaddle off if you are doing some settling because they just move around a bit and they get that momentum. So they might be going on their side and stuff. But, yeah, as soon as you take that swaddle off, they're likely going to roll if they're older. So Older, yeah. That's why you'd probably do the swaddle first when they're older. Is four catnaps okay for a six-month-old or should I work on getting some longer naps in? So... I guess the main thing is like, okay, A, four naps is probably not going to be sustainable for you because it's just going to be a pain in the butt constantly having to get them to sleep. Realistically, six months, probably only looking at two cat naps and a longer nap anyway. So yes, it's only three instead of four, but not only do you get like, I guess, you know, less settling and things throughout the day, but you get that one nap in the middle of the day that's more consolidated and they're getting that deep sort of phase of sleep. So personally for me, I would just find like, yep, three is a lot easier to manage than four. And you are going to at some point find that those catnaps just are going to probably look at getting harder to get in, more spaced out as their awake windows get bigger. And yeah, it's just going to be a lot harder to sort of get any predictable routine in place as they get older and those awake windows get bigger. Mm. I mean, if it's not a problem at the moment, like Christy said, it could become an issue when your bub starts to be awake for longer and then your bedtime's going to be pushed out or you might drop it off to three. I guess look at your night's sleep. I know some people just love being out all day, that sort of thing. That might yeah. suit them. Like if your nights are suffering, absolutely, I would have a look at your days. Your bubs might benefit off a long nap somewhere in there. But when it comes to like, should I be doing something, then that's really, you know, what suits your lifestyle. Absolutely. There's, we always yeah. do say to life, nothing's a problem until it becomes a problem for you. Yeah. But yeah, in the only sort of problem I would foresee is that, yeah, it just becomes unsustainable having the four for you. If you feel like constantly having to do those settles and whatnot, and you're not 
getting much, I guess, downtime yourself because, yeah, they're constantly having those little naps. But you yeah, might like hanging too. out with your baby all the time. That's you great. You might. You definitely <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't wait for nap time. Oh, mate, I was counting down the minutes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then, like we just touched on, like as they get older and those awake windows get bigger, they're probably going to tolerate more time in between those cat naps and it's just going to push out your day. So I'd also that's... have a look at their temperament in the day. So mm. are the four little naps serving them well? Are they happy in their awake time? Can you put them down on a mat and have some independent play with you close by, but not needing to be holding them the whole time? Because you've got a lot of families like, oh, they're so happy. They barely sleep. And it's like, okay, but can you put them down and can they play while you do some jobs around them? And it's like, oh, not so much. I've got to be holding them or the dummy's got to be in on that sort of thing. So that's another indication of, is it working for your bub? Those short little naps. Yeah, and just purely because those longer naps just sort of help to get, you know, that more restorative phase of sleep. So some babies are fine on it, but, yeah, there are others that do need that longer sleep. So look at your personal situation and overall, like, is it working for you? Is it working for your baby? If so, then not a problem. The only other thing that it can have an effect on is feeding. If you're having short naps, that means you're Mm. probably having a bit of snack feeding. So that can also play into nighttime. So, yeah. There's a few little things to think about. If they're not getting their sort of set amount of calories that they need throughout the day, they can ultimately make up for them overnight. And yeah, that's just another sort of pattern that we sometimes see is that the short naps can encourage short snack style feeds. So it's just like a bit of a cycle. But yeah, overall, if it's working for you, then don't stress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My eight-month-old is waking twice a night for a feed and then stirring, sometimes having another feed around 5am. Is this age appropriate? Um, I like how this one said, is it age appropriate as opposed to is it, is it okay or yeah. yeah. So look, what I would more than likely say is given that you're saying twice a night, and we have sort of touched on this before, is usually overnight we do see those sort of two common wakes at the end of those two deep phases of sleep around that sort of 11pm at night and then again roughly four hours later around 3am. So more than likely, I would say that that's just your little one waking at those times and they don't have the ability to resettle yet. And they're using that feed as a way to get back to sleep. So whether or not they're able to self-settle at bedtime or they're having a feed at bedtime, they may have mastered that self-settle at bedtime, but they still haven't got the ability to resettle. So they're still waking at those two times. And naturally we assume they're waking for a feed or they may be reliant on a feed to sleep at that time. And then they're waking at those two wakes, naturally looking for it. So it could be either scenario. And then it just has that knock-on effect into that sort of early hours of the morning where potentially they're getting towards the end of that sleep cycle, sleep pressure is not as high and you get that wake around sort of 4.35 a.m. So that would probably be what I would assume is happening. Is it age appropriate? So uh, like we sort of said at the start, you can have babies that sleep through, you can have some that still have a feed, but I would say more than likely that yeah, it's just those sleep cycles that your little one is waking in between. Yeah. Age appropriate at eight months, I would definitely say one feed in the second yeah. half of the night or no yeah, feed. Usually so, around 2 33 a.m. Mm. And that's like, yeah, like Beck said, most babies we work with, they essentially have removed their feeds by that point once we've sort of worked with them and whatnot, and they do have the ability to do it. So it's not something I would say to you, look, they're having two to three feeds now, remove them all. Like it needs to be a gradual process. But yeah, it definitely you can work on that if you're wanting Mm. to. Room for improvement if you want to. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. 
How long does the four-month regression last? I feel like we've been in it for a good eight weeks. Holy moly. Yeah, so we've got a whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a whole episode on this, actually. If you haven't listened to it yet, go and do that because you'll have a really good understanding of the four-month regression, why it happens and things It's permanent, peeps. (laughs) Permanent. Don't scare them back. (laughs) Look, it is permanent changes to your little one's sleep. So their sleep's becoming more adult-like and, yeah, and they're just starting to mature. So in terms of how long does it last, I would say it is, like Beck said, it is permanent. Until you'll die. (laughs) So it's going to stay that way until you either – work on like, you know, consolidating sleep cycles, self-settling, whatnot, and, you know, no pressure to do that. But the sleep cycles you're probably experiencing at the moment are going to be permanent. So, Well, the thing is the regression thing, that's permanent. What's probably happened is your bub has started to wake more. You have now done something to help them go back to sleep because, you know, four months might be feed, might be dummy runs, rocking, whatever. So that's probably now the pattern, which will stay around unless you sort of start to ease off that or change it up. And that's not to say some babies will just gradually sleep better and that sort of thing. We obviously see the ones that don't do that, but that's generally what happens. You start to assist them in a certain way and then that just becomes what they expect. So that's why it's going to keep lasting because you're going to keep doing that thing every time they wake up. Yeah. And they're just looking for that to go back to sleep. Yeah. So it's so, probably no longer the regression as such. It's now just how your baby mm. knows how to fall asleep and stay asleep. Yeah. And given you're saying like the four-month regression, you feel like you've been in it for a good eight weeks. So your little one's probably closer to six months now. So it's definitely at a good age where you can start to work on consolidating sleep cycles and it becomes a lot easier, especially, you know, with those 40-minute naps of a day. So, Yeah. In terms of how long does it last? (laughs) Well, if it's not working for you anymore, like, yeah, we can definitely help get some more sustainable sleep patterns in because, yeah, those pesky catnaps can be a little bit of a bugger. And catnapping, again, we've touched on this a million times. Four-month-olds are known to catnap. There is not a lot. I mean, you can do some stuff, but the consistency may not be there, even if you are doing all the things that we suggest. We do see that closer to that sort of five-month mark that it kind of clicks for them. So don't sit there butting your head against a wall trying to get a four-month-old to do a longer nap because honestly, you'll be there for a little while. You'll be there probably closer to five months Mm. trying to get that happening. Yeah, and like they may do it one day, but then they're not going to do it the next day. And that's so Mm. normal and fine. Don't think that you did something like you know, I'm going to do everything the same the next day. How can I copy and paste that? (laughs) (laughs) It's just the age they grow out of it. So if you're doing those things to help them along, hang in there. But yes, it's forever. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You're doomed. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's all of our questions for today. Stay tuned for another Q&A in a couple of weeks. We love doing these. Don't forget, if you have got a question, you can hop onto our website. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. 
Nighty-night.